Hi, and welcome to the Machine Ethics Podcast. This time we're talking to Harriet Pellerot. This episode was recorded on the 4th of October, 2023. Harriet and I talk about AI's lack of reasoning ability, the company Mind Over Tech, uses of generative AI, and indeed, what is creativity? We briefly bring up a new idea, creative duty. We also talk about work-life balance and the global initiative Four Day Week Global the hidden costs of convenience, responsible technology, and much, much more. If you like this episode, you can find more episodes at machine-ethics.net. You can contact us at hello at machine-ethics.net. You can also follow us on Twitter, machine underscore ethics, Instagram, machine ethics podcast, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at machine-ethics. And if you can, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Cool. So hi, Harriet. Thanks for joining me in the podcast. Um, Thanks for having me. If you could tell me who you are and what do you do? Sure. My name is Harriet Pellerot and I am the co-founder of a digital habits behavior change company called Mind of a Tech. But I also wear many other hats. I have worn the hat of creative. I did a BA in model making and worked in advertising for a spell. And then that drew me into the world of programming. And I was a technologist for a spell. I was making stuff with code and building apps. And that led me to being a teacher where I was teaching people about code and about how cool it is. And then that led me to being a teaching director where I was teaching people how to teach people how cool code was and in amidst that process I also became a mother I have an eight-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son um and but today I'm just excited to be here so thanks very much for having me you're welcome um it's very very uh, nice to have you um so the first question on this podcast because we are Predominantly, I would like to say an AI podcast, but it's mostly about the ethics of uh, technology, I guess. It's, it, it feels like it's getting broader and broader these days um, as these technologies both overlap with our other technologies, but also in our lives. But to kick us off, um, what is AI uh, for you, Harriet? What is AI? I think that the first thing that is sensible to do is to actually define intelligence because, you know, that's that's a kind of component of that. And, you know, we could describe that as the ability to understand and learn and problem solve um, and adapt, but also to reason. Obviously, artificial intelligence is when those behaviors those actions are being completed by something that's being created by man um like a computer um yeah so i sort of been thinking a lot about therefore what like what fundamentally is different between the two i do think a lot a lot of the kind of questions that we have are around the fact that artificial intelligence is like slightly limited in its Uh, ability to reason you know like human reasoning is informed by facts and and logic um although neuroscientists have actually proven 
that emotions are like integral to de to decision making. I think there's like some studies. I think there's a study from like the 90s where there were kind of there was sort of patients that had had that sort of emotional region of their brain damaged. Um, the, was it the, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex? Those sort of areas which, which are kind of key to emotion. And in those states, the, the patients were rendered like unable to make decisions. Um, and so, yeah, I think that whilst, you know, we can, we can definitely attribute some modes of intelligence to artificial intelligence, ultimately, like the, the kind of the lack of emotion, computers fundamentally lack emotion, and therefore they can't, they can't perform reason to the same extent that humans can. Um, and, and so I, I would say that artificial, artificial intelligence is slightly misleading as a term because it suggests an intention and a, and a kind of um, an ability to reason that I don't think they can truly have in a comparative way to humans. Mm -hmm. That was a good example for you there, Ben. Yeah, thank you for that. I guess... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, t uh, in in truth, I, I, it's fascinating the different things that people come up with as a solution to that. Sometimes people are very short and know exactly what, and and other times it's like, oh my god, I hate this question. I don't know. It's going to be a while. Um, it, I, I, one of the things I think it was interesting with what you just said was that I guess it's in it's always in comparison, right? So in, in comparison to us, mm. this is the case, but. Maybe if we're thinking of these systems as an other thing, which has maybe, let's say, an intelligence which is other and not necessarily directly comparable, but lives that, that kind of style of thinking, that the, the thinking itself, let's say, is just different, um, then maybe it has its own thing of way of working and maybe we just need to think of a better term for it, you know, um, and a better category because, you know, we humans like to categorize things and put them in buckets so we can talk about them. I mean, that's another way of thinking about it, that it's this other way of thinking that we've created artificially, which works in this other different way. And Yeah, I think that's really that's really true. Maybe it's almost mm. at times like an aspirational form of intelligence, because like, you know, like we just said, true reason is slightly out of humanity's grasp because it, mm. it will always come laced and and filtered by emotion computers are free from that so there's a there's a form of, of logic and decision making that can be made that's very different um mm. to ours so yeah i think maybe artificial intelligence is the right term but a form of a form of thinking learning reacting that is um complementary yes intelligence perhaps yeah. yeah i like that idea um so for context could you give me a short description i guess of what mind over tech is is and is doing and wants to do and is striving for and all those sorts of things absolutely um okay so i described mind over tech as a digital habits behavior change company so we work with organizations to help their people use digital devices in a way that supports their well-being, productivity, and connection. 
Um, why do we do this? Because as I said, I have a background as a technologist. So does my co-founder, we both love technology. We both think it's incredibly empowering and exciting. Brilliant. Um, but, you know, I think it's as well as being aware of what it can give us, we're quite aware of what it can take away. Um, and so we focus on helping people take action in that situation, helping teams take practical steps to become more intentional in the way that they use their devices. And we provide physical toolkits and we give talks and we run workshops and training programs that help organizations build effective digital workplace cultures. Um, and we work with big companies, tech and financial companies, and um, a range of companies who are going through a period of intense change. Like we partner with Four Day Week Global, they're working with companies who are transitioning to a whole new way of working, a whole new work week. And so um, we can kind of fit into those specific uh, moments of change as well. But you're, it's not like you're a consultant who's like recommending technology, you're helping to I think I was trying to think of the way that you were describing it before, but you're enabling them to essentially reflect on what will what will work best for them going forward and the people within the, the company organization so that they can um, almost, you know, go forward and, and help themselves, essentially. Right. Exactly. Um, like it's not it's not in our you know power to you know, it's not for us to say hmm. what are good ways of using technology and what are you know bad habits and what are good habits is it's our role to help people learn through experience what works mm. for them to help teams discover different ways of using technology in the workplace that actually could lead to product, high levels of productivity you know increased well-being increased connection between those teams so we try and help people become like I said you know more intentional in the way they approach that when I think often with technology we're so excited about it. Mm. We, we we let it in and we we launch forth into it without fully considering um, the cost and the impact of it. So it's maybe, yeah, just encouraging that sense of intention and for people to learn for themselves what works, um, what works for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is it? Like, I think a couple of years ago, it was just plainly apparent that having conversations with anyone who worked in an office was struggling to either switch off or to control the amount of emails they were getting or to um, get away from the office or like all these different dials which you you can twist on like you're saying like the work-life balance and the wellness element which then also impacts obviously the um, the organization itself you know if you have all these people who are always on and they're burning out because you have a boss who sends them 20 emails uh, every day and they don't have a structure then they might not understand actually that that, that what they're doing might be uh, hurting people or that certain people might need certain other ways of working um or if you're working from home all these different things um so i th i think in the the digital work environment it just feels like unless you're magic and you made all this work for you and it's all groovy then <laughs> then it's probably worth like stepping back and, and having a reflection on, on the, your use or, or the organization's use of some of these technologies, which yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> There's, yeah, I just said a lot, sorry, but. Um... No, no, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's easy to assume mm. uh, 
Um, and also it's easy to just slip into ways of working and habits that, that actually aren't serving the direction a, a team wants to go or the, the kind of values of a, an organization and um, moments to reflect upon that, I think is super important. Um, you also said something that around like different people having different needs, that's extremely important and a reason why, again, we don't tell people what to do, but we try and help them discover it because everyone has different needs. And I think actually becoming aware that everyone may have different needs to you as well. You know, there's a, there's a huge impact in diversity. And when I was at, at school, I was, um, you know, told I had an assessment and I, I was told I was dyslexic. Um, and it's only been in, in turning 40, like being 40 now, that I've actually had a diagnosis for ADHD, which actually makes so much sense of my whole career and why I think technology is amazing. And I'm always, I'm so delighted to solve problems. And, mm. you know, it's been an incredibly useful, I think, part of who I am and discovering um, what's been driving me all these years. Uh, but it also explains why I do find self-regulation of my, you know, tech and my devices extra difficult because my brain is constantly jumping around and searching for novelty and all the rest. And so actually being aware of how our minds work and how to create boundaries and set ourselves up in an environment where, you know, we're reducing the cognitive and constant distraction that's all around us. Like how can we set our workspace up so that that's mitigated and be aware of working colleagues and their neurodiversity of what they need and how they actually perform best. Um, and there's lots and lots of stuff. There's lots of lots of ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mentioned a physical toolkit, a mind of a tech. We have a uh, set of cards, a box of cards called the Digital Habit Lab that contains 56 different experiments and different sort of scientific evidence experiments that um, have been really well tested and that people can try out to disrupt their habits. And that allows people to actually take action because I think it's it's all very well to talk about this and you know to say how hard it is. You know, behavior change is really difficult, and I think it's particularly difficult with technology. It's similar, I'd say, if you had a, a kind of eating disorder. You know, you still need to eat, you still need to have food, and we can't really completely cut technology out of our lives. Certainly not, every, you know, every minute we need, it and it and it's extremely beneficial to us, and is a huge part of modern life. Um, so it's like trying to figure out how we can support ourselves to self-regulate in those in those instances. Yeah. So a couple of maybe a couple of months ago now, um, you so I subscribed to your newsletter because um, I love you guys and what you guys do. And um, there was a piece on the kind of impending changes to creativity, kind of the AI generative stuff, which was um highlighted in that newsletter and, and some of your thoughts about it um, which drove me to get in contact with you even though um, I would have loved to talk to you anyway um, because we're kind of on um, we've we're almost got a mini series on generative AI at the moment um, as it's high in people's minds they can see it they can touch it themselves um, so I wanted to talk to you about your feelings about the the use of AI and um, it's interesting for me what your opinions are because one, you are a creative person and you um, want to make things with technology, but also you have spent a lot of time teaching people about technology um, and 
it's funny because this technology almost changes that relationship as well. Like again, so especially when you're talking about generating code or just generating artifacts. So I was wondering, it feels like a new, uh, an epoch. And how do you feel about that? Yeah. Oh, it's, it really just has been a question that's been bubbling in my mind for a while. And, you know, I've, I'm also a huge fan of your, of your podcast and this, I feel like you were so early in these, in this space to be discussing these questions. And thanks to you, I, I began thinking about it as well and, and how it kind of would shift over time as, as new mm. abilities, you know, became, you know, technology was able to do more and more. In terms of creativity, this, this, yeah, I, I posted about this recently. I wrote a, a kind of a long form article about it because generative AI, I think, has challenged a lot of people and it's challenged a lot of assumptions and, and opinions we have about the way we work um, and what creativity is. And then I think when any new technology becomes popularized, there is a natural you know, sort of polarizing of opinion. Some people are extremely excited about it. I've normally been on that side. Mm. There's always going to be fear. There's always going to be a sense of what will this take away? Um, what, what, you know, can we be replaced, etc. And I, I think I was sort of speaking to that and, and actually looking at and reflecting on some of the things I'd seen that year, like this year, it's been some really interesting stuff. So like in my article, I, I kind of talk about this photography competition, the Sony world, photography competition that was um, in April and an artist called Boris Eldergson won the um you know this this award won the kind of creativity uh award with an image that was generated with AI uh he didn't disclose it had been before he entered and says that he did it to see if these competitions were quote-unquote ready for AI and he declared they are not ready because, you know, they obviously couldn't tell. Um, and he was a very strongly of the opinion that the you know, AI, gen AI generated images are not photography. One is creating an image with light. One is creating it with prompts. And I, I absolutely agree with him. Um, I think what's interesting is where you where you kind of apply value mm. um, and what you think is is it's, it's still a beautiful image. It's still a really haunting image that he created. Um, and clearly the, the judges thought that it was award-winning. Um, and then also this year in May, this game jam, GMTK, um, prohibited the use of AI um, to generate assets or code in their annual game-making marathon, uh, which was, you know, a really interesting a really interesting move because it's it's a it's a tech not it's a it's a coding and tech creative uh event you know and you had people saying like why don't they just like ban photoshop and make us you know code our own engine and you know so conf confused by the movement it made me think like why is it different what is different mm. you know and it poses a question is it because you know ai is like a performance enhancing drug it's so creative that you know it can't it can't be put into a competition um and yeah and 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 then and then and then in june um i went to uh the london design biennale at somerset house yep. 
that and went to a forum called AI Made in Our Image with John Mack, artist, uh, who's very interested in this in this world of, of technology and humanity. And there was a, an artist there who created um, a robot that he called Ada, um, a humanoid artist robot. She was not just a robot, she was an artist and she had an artist smock on and a paintbrush. And they were discussing, you know, the nature of creativity and AI. Um, so Ada has like cameras in her eyes and she looks at stuff and and uh, has kind of these algorithms that she draws and, and, and creates paintings and sculptures and all this kind of stuff. And uh, artwork attributed to her has sold for millions of dollars. Um, so it's a really interesting, it's an interesting kind of opportunity to discuss what is creativity and what is, you know, is she an artist, et cetera. Um, he actually said in the in this event, you know, Ada is not capable of true creativity, um, which you know I think is true. Um, the, the you know the think, yeah, it feels like a bit of a caveat though, doesn't it? Like, what is yeah. true creativity? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, and you know, and you look at how the artworks are made. You know, she's the the, the stuff that she makes is three D printed by a Swedish computer scientist um things that she paints and are rendered and painted by a real female actual like woman painter female um artist called Susie Emery um the algorithm that she's using is was trained on like data sets that were all labeled paint you know painstakingly by humans um so yeah that was kind of where I got to my article that there's this like hidden ghost in the shell there's like a whole world of ghost workers who are actually driving uh not just the creatives themselves who are producing all the artwork but actually the the laborers who are labeling stuff and, and allowing these algorithms to leverage that information um so i yeah i think i was have always been really interested in it but it feels like it's come to a bit of a head this year with lots of in lots of different arenas and lots of different creative spaces and um yeah, so I was kind of interested to to explore it, um, and then, and yeah, and I I think I was also it made me think about like what creativity is. You know, we start questioning, can a computer really be creative? Okay, well, that, like in the same way, what is artificial intelligence? What's intelligence? What's creativity? Um, I really like uh, Joey Cafone, who has this incredible book, The Laws of Creativity. And his definition is humankind's, so he even begins, humankind's, uh, unique ability to combine unrelated and abstract ideas um, and, you know, find finding patterns, finding in, and making unusual connections. So I and I do think mm. that AI can find patterns and relate unrelated information in really curious and interesting ways. Um, but I do not think that they're that they're truly creative and like, yes yeah that is but i think um, i think you could uh, i i mean it feels like you could make up loads of caveats to this stuff right mm -hmm. um so arbitrary kind of extensions of that so you're only creative if you can make abstract connections and patterns and you like it okay you know mm -hmm. what i mean it's like the because the systems aren't they're not sitting there making works of art are they they're they are prompted 
to do an action because we as human beings have prompted it to do an action yeah and we're deriving value hopefully or something from that output the system itself is 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 just sitting there waiting not doing anything not feeling anything and not not being being creative it's maybe producing creative works um uh but it doesn't want the creativity itself you know what i mean yeah yeah a hundred percent i mean a hundred percent agree i don't you know i i agree with boris Mm. in his you know application for this this award i do not think that photography and ai generated imagery should be you know compared in in the context of a competition like that yeah yeah i i think it's really interesting when you think about copyright you know uh like again this year the US Copyright Office withdrew copyright protection from a comic book mm-hmm. yeah. um, when they found out that it, it, the imagery had been generated with Midjourney um, and saying that, you know, it was not the product of human authorship. And I, you know, I kind of agree with that sentiment that creative work produced by generative AI is not truly created by humans and it's not truly created by machines you know it's like an extension I think that's Mm. where I settled it's like it's an extension it's a tool it's not a replacement um and but but it's but it's an interesting question like it comes to your intention behind it and again I come back to my my reason and what is intelligence Mm. why you know the 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 kind of intention behind the creation of something Mm. um is 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 really critical to it so yeah i mean i i think the other thing i explored in this article and that slightly prompted it was um i did as i said i did a ba in model making what a random thing harry Mm. i just really liked films i liked art and i wanted to do art that had you know could be used in films so i went down that road and i actually did we did lots of different models. We did kind of architecture, like beautiful, tiny little miniature fascination projects of tiny buildings. We did stuff out of clay and card. We made stuff in silicon and fiberglass and all this kind of stuff. And um, in my second year, I came to Bristol. I came to Bristol and I I did a placement um, working and making props for the Wallace and Gromit film, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Hardman yep, classic, nice. classic. Um, and actually, interestingly, one of the first Ardman productions to use CGI um, in mm. the production. And I, it was quite a pivotal moment for me because I was in my 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 sort of final year of this degree, and I remember see, speaking to a very senior prop maker and talking about computers because you know I'm. I'm a bit of a nerd. I like computers. I always like playing around with them. I did a lot of, that's where I started learning 3D animation was on this degree. And I was chatting to uh, this prop maker and she was like, yeah, it's not just model making. Like it's not just stop motion. Like every, every area of model making is changing. Um, Card and clay and all these traditional materials. We just kind of can't compete with with what they're able to do and actually the, the kind of costs and the speeds of it. And the reason I was interested this year is that I started seeing like various posts and things about with CGI model makers mm. basically saying, we're all going to be out of a job because of AI. Yep. Um, it's going to destroy our industry and, and like panic and fear. And 
and you know i do i i, I think it it will it, you know whilst we could argue that it's not quote unquote true creativity it's going to change it's going to change the ways of working just maybe in the in line with the way it always had done but it, it will change the ways that we do things um yeah so as more i could say about this yeah, yeah. i feel like you're alluding to that there's going to be this kind of artisanal like 3d art house uh, <laughs> <laughs> like prop makers like oh we make um the finest 3d generated what? by hand in the computer uh no ai um textured only by what? hand yeah i mean you know you do see like actors talking mm. about you know how kind of challenging it is to work in a full blue screen environment and how i don't know we we're watching some of the extra bonus features from the latest indiana jones um which i loved i loved okay. it yeah the, haven't seen it but, dial, but... dial of destiny yeah classic, okay like classic indie yeah. really good uh i also would love to be phoebe Waller-Bridge, so that was uh... a joy um and yeah in that he's you know in, the, in some of the other stuff they're talking about the fact that they made New York and they kind of created this whole, uh, you know, this whole carnival and, and everything mm. was going on. And it was really riding a horse and all that kind of stuff. And actually, you know, just the actors find it tricky to work when they're when everything is being done by a computer. So that kind yeah. of getting back to getting back to something tangible and that we can touch, I think, is is something that there's that balancing between always mm. and obviously not every studio can afford the budget of doing that and then they still used a whole load of cgi on on indiana jones of course they did but this idea that actually um it's not always the right tool in in every situation i guess yeah mm. yeah but in terms of like the the future mm. and and jobs and you know how this this disruption will go um i don't know if you saw but there was a someone from morgan stanley recently forecasting like changes in the labor market um and saying that like is it brian nowak saying that like you know ai will affect 44 percent of the labor force in the next few years you know right. and obviously that's like the labor force in general like when you think about creative roles how is that going to change them uh the more I've thought about this and actually read about it, and I just think it's such an interesting question, I do think that whilst it will change jobs, that there will always be need for a human at the centre of it. Mm. Um, that you know, even this this guy who who submitted this this photograph, um, uh, Eldrickson, he he was really good at using those tools like he was very good at writing prompts but he was also very aware of art history and how photographs should be composed there was a huge amount of skill mm -hmm. and that was writing the prompt obviously then we've talked about all the other humans so a part of that um and you know they've got this they still not resolved isn't it but they've got the actor strike at the moment where they're trying to figure out you know in hollywood how they can protect their voice and body being used um uh, without their consent um yeah. it's like a really interesting ethical moment for questioning how we reuse creative material um and so yeah in terms of creative roles writers photographers designers illustrators model makers etc i do think there'll be a lot of disruption but i don't think it will 
replace the human creative. Um, and also, actually, I think a big part of that does come down to this like copyright question, you know, like we 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 don't consider something that has been created by generative AI to be copyrightable, perhaps. It's unclear perhaps. completely yeah. on, on Midjourney's platform, but in certain arenas, perhaps. So in order for there to be, you know, for a studio to like own something, it needs to it needs to be done in a in a in a different way. Mm. But that doesn't mean that the AI can't augment and it can't help. Um, mm. You know, so I I think that that there will always be need of creatives. The way creatives work, I think, will shift. Um, mm. And and I and my yeah, I guess my like position on this is that it's a positive thing because I'm I, I think an eternal optimist I don't I don't think I I can change that I think I will always be optimistic even in the mm. face of things going wrong yeah. I'm just like but it's gonna be fine um and so I, I do think I do think it's positive everything that's shifting around us and it's good that it we're, we're kind of challenging and questioning it all um but you know it's ultimately it's a tool and yeah. um oh and I did this course I did the course you know the do lectures um mm -hmm. courses so I did their like oh something like use chat GPT like a pro they're like talking about being a pro a lot which I find quite fun with David Hyatt um and this was all about writing and how how to use you know tools like how to use chat GPT and tools yeah. to improve your writing and his big takeaway was use this as a tool to be become a better writer mm -hmm. um, don't like don't use it to just rewrite to write stuff for you use it to research brainstorm challenge your assumptions coach coach you you know mm. provide alternatives compare your work to some of the work that you aspire to be like you know the artists that you aspire to be the writers that you aspire to to be and like just dis disrupt the way you do things and I guess that's sort of maybe how I view the way that AI will impact the world in, in a creative sense will be through augmenting the human, supporting the human to do those those things that all artists, all artistic pursuits require researching and challenging and, and rethinking and comparing and coaching and all of that stuff is relevant for all of them. And I do think that, you know, as as general, these kind of general AI tools get more powerful and more specialist AI tools uh come mm. you know these kind of maybe like less interesting uncreative repetitive tasks well we can dial them down and hand them somewhere where someone, maybe some a machine is better mm. at and that we can and and you know we can actually lift this is my optimistic yeah 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 I like I like the idea of that like that yeah. you kind of have a choice to say mm. Uh, well, all these things, I actually, this is redundant for me to do. Like, this is this is ridiculous that I'm doing this when this system can just do this much faster and better. And it's not something that we enjoy doing in the first place. And that feels like a, a total win-win, right? Um, yeah. But then there, there will be places where it's like, well, you know what? Actually, I do really want to write this thing today. And I, I I've got a good idea for it. You know, and I don't want to sit here with a couple of prompts or whatever it is and just blast away at it for 10 minutes, for like half an hour trying to find the right thing when actually I kind of know, 
kind of know what the right thing is, right? So I'm just going to write it down or I'm just going to start painting or I'm going to talk to someone and we're going to work this thing out and we're going to make a and direct a film about it, whatever. Um, I feel I, I feel like that is a nice place to get to, but it's it's kind of like where, how do you keep hold of that autonomy of that like decision-making within a get like essentially the commercialness of that situation um and having it so that like all those decisions aren't already commercially decided previously because it's cheap it's just cheaper right um we've already fired all of those people anyway so <laughs> the choice isn't there <laughs> anyway you know what i mean so it's like holding on to um the possibility space around some of that work almost not completely getting hollowed out by you know, it is easier, faster, and is maybe doesn't get consumed as much, but it's still making us money. So it's the right thing to do. Like, yeah, and I, I think a concern in this whole space is yes. that we're going to just de- devolve to the mean and yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll reduce creativity because it will be, we'll be, we'll all be drawing from the same part with the same resource, producing uh, images, music, writing. That's all like the same. It's all generic and all bland. And I think that. Yeah. There's a there's like a duty to keep topping up that well of that we're all drawing from now, this melting pot of of, of creative work, and you know I think that's the, the mid journey imagery is is not copyrightable, but it, it and it can be used and goes back in to the to the system to generate and be used by others to create other things. So continuing to encourage I guess people to take photographs and. Mm, mm. Make, make models and write their own stories but then also not be afraid I think this is mind of a tech classic mind of a tech is like how can you get the best out of it whilst retaining humanity while retaining your 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 intention and your and your values and your purpose you know yeah. how can we use it to be more creative mm-hmm. how can we use it to to lift up the work that we already do um and that's that's what interests me. So yeah, I watch with interest, but I I'm you know using all of these tools. I think they're Mm-mm. they're powerful and they're and they're very cool. But lots of ethical questions are being raised, and I think it's a, a very interesting time. Do you think, Harriet? Hi. Hi Ben. Um, do you have an idea for what those new opportunities or new jobs or new creative? Uh, practices actually could look like um if you're throwing something at the wall and going okay well 10 years time guys we're going to have this crazy thing because we can now do this new thing and we extrapolate that out a little bit and we get to x y z you know is it have you got any ideas or 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 aspirations around that almost such a good question it makes me think of my children Mm -hmm. because you know there's some brilliant stat out there, which I'm going to butcher, that's like, oh, I don't know, I'll make something up. 90% of the jobs that our children will have haven't been invented yet. Yeah, like, yeah. What, you know, and I, that's a stupid thing to say, but like, what is it that my children are going to end up doing? And there was obviously a time in history when that was always, that was super clear and it was a very limited palette of options. And now what are they going to end up doing? Um, I hope it's something creative. Mm. I hope that we use technology in the way that we maybe the the 
science fiction writers hoped when it when when there was a more optimistic <laughs> science fiction when was that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it was before we landed on the moon i oh, okay. i i listening to um uh, help me who wrote game of thrones jrrr martin uh, yeah and him saying that you know everyone was, was so thrilled that we landed on the moon what they didn't expect is that we would stop that we would that's where we would stop yeah 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 that's where you know for him it sort of started becoming much more dystopian the vibe mm. of science fiction but anyway there were also like because we're working a lot um, and we've partnered with um four-day week global which is very interesting like oh, i think i mentioned this already it's a very interesting mission around like helping people change the working week there were predictions again i can't quite remember the stats but there were predictions that by now we would be working you know yeah yeah no like 10 hour weeks or something because technology yeah. would be lifting and doing and doing everything and it's kind of gone the other way it's pervaded into all of our personal life instead um what i hope my dream mm -hmm. would be that the roles that are available for my kids are creative and that they are pushing boundaries of what we can do now. Mm -hmm. and of course, there will always be the bottom line in, in, in situation, you know, there will always be companies wanting to create more for less and create more value for less. Um, but fundamentally, humans exist to create. It's, we have such an urge for it. We have such an urge to make new things and to, to kind of help people. Um, so maybe that's what I would wish for. I would wish for there to be opportunities for people to be creative and to share their creative ideas and an output with the world and opportunities for us to be able to help people in mm -hmm. a, in a way, whether that's through advances in medicines, a lot going on in, in health tech. It's really interesting. Um, I think an opportunity for us to find a better, I don't want to use the word balance, but mm. for, for us to find a better way of working that allows us to, you know, stay connected with each other um, and, and feel like we know what we're trying to achieve in life yeah. um, and using technology. I'm not really answering your question because you're like, what are the jobs, what are the jobs that we can do? Then, um, you know, like, I guess we'll always want stories. Like mm. people love stories. So like, how can we, how can we use these tools to, to, to tell better stories, to tell stories, to help people. Yeah. In those, in those kind of areas, but exactly what I don't know, will it be space travel? Mm. Will it be learning more about the bottom of the ocean? Cause there's a whole load of unknowns about the, what's underneath the sea. I don't know, Ben. What do yeah. you think? God damn it. That's not the point of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about me, Harry. It's, it's about you and who I'm interviewing. Oh, my God. Um, no, you you can interview me another time and I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> How's that? Um, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that we could be doing. And this is obviously sidestepping the question completely. And I hope that we, we pick the ones which are going to be most beneficial for us as the ethicist in me um, and not the ones which are going to be detrimental. And that's a nice segue because my next question 
is what scares you about um, our techno technologically mediated future? What scares me? I mean, I guess the trend that I've just said where we're working harder and mm. and have higher expectations from what we can achieve in a working day than ever. And we're all working in silos and remotely and not having enough human contact and not able to being able to self-regulate for our well-being and being just less human I guess that would be my fear as I said I'm, I'm not I'm an optimist so I like to think that won't happen having said that there are certain new jobs that aren't in the future they exist right now mm. you know working in places which sort out packages and those kind of centers where I think people aren't necessarily treated in a way that we would hope um, and don't live lives that feel full of meaning and purpose and not well connected. I think it's happening now in some areas. So maybe there's a fear I have that there will be an increase in that and that by serving our desire for convenience, for example, to get a parcel delivered, mm -hmm hours time or by the next day which sometimes is extremely extremely important but most of the time is entirely unnecessary um but by pushing towards that service of human convenience that we actually create another less convenient world for someone else shall we say um i, I think i worry about the hidden cost of some of the advances of our brilliance because i think that you know you look at you look at some some tool like chat gpt and it's breathtaking and i'm still scratching the surface of what it can do for me it's quite easy to forget what it's founded on and the human effort that it's founded on and continues to be um you know i think there's a fear around people not going into artistic careers because they can't you know have a, a kind of a, make a living and they can't mm. so yes those are some of my fears uh yeah. would be around a dissolving of humanity in the face of technology but... yeah and i mean it, it strikes me coming back to that promise that we had you know from the 50s 60s of the future uh where it's gonna be a space race and we're gonna have a, a two-day week or whatever a three you know whatever yeah. it is i feel like um there should be more emphasis on the technology to enable us to, to to get to this, you know, creative place where we are fulfilled in our work and our families and our sustenance and all these things that are make us, you know, physically human. Very very um, obvious things. And then if you're going like up the tower of the pyramid of needs and things like that, then, you know, we have an opportunity to, to do exciting things, but they don't necessarily, like you say, they don't necessarily mean a package delivered the next day or, you know, people who are um, monitoring the AIs being harrowed <laughs> daily by the things that they see there. And, you know, that, 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 that isn't necessarily... Uh, the case that we need to do those things so um 
it's weighing those those things up uh, in a it, it's, it sounds very utilitarian but like you know we we have a choice there about how that operates um and i would probably take a pay cut to have a free day week you know what i mean <laughs> you know there the, there's certain things where it's like no actually guys come on like i don't i don't need i don't need a porsche don't don't give it to me i don't need it like and and all the porsche owners they don't need them either so <laughs> don't worry about it you're not the only one you know since the pandemic i think a lot of people have reevaluated um their values um i think that applications for becoming a teacher for teacher training like skyrocketed because people thought what am i doing like mm, i actually mm. really want to teach people and or yeah. and time more time with my family and have a life that is actually um giving me opportunity to spend it with the people I love and so I think this idea of actually people pursuing time for themselves with their work and taking that over pay it's a a very common uh sentiment whether everyone can achieve that is you know not not always a privilege that's available but like Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are very much questioning what life is for and 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 how they spend it um and it's very, it's a very interesting question as we started to work remotely, how we kind of work in the future. What will the future workplaces look like? And, you know, many companies are fully pushing for people to come back and return to their commute. Yeah. Many people are resisting that. Um, there's arguments both sides of, of, of you know, what works um, best for individuals. But I do think there's, it's been a good a good time of reckoning about how we want to spend our time yeah. um, and I'm not sure where it will all end up but it's yeah again yeah I'm optimistic <laughs> good I like it I like I, I like an optimist I think it's very easy to get dragged down by these things as well so um, I think that's positive um, um, so yeah I think the other area is, is mm. around what we can do and mm. I, I I really do think that what I'm interested in and what Mind of a Tech has been founded on is the idea of taking action. Um, We all know lots of things that we could do, but it's just hard to start doing them. So we kind of focus on taking action. And when we're working with a a company, there's an individual responsibility for being more aware of how we're using technology and, and questioning the maybe the digital habit culture of an organization there's also a responsibility for leadership to look at what's currently going on maybe challenging some of the ways of working and probably what we see most of all being more explicit and clear about what they expect because employees will kind of assume a certain behavior is expected oh I I should reply to this slack message as soon as it comes in because I, I, I'm probably expected to. It's never been said. You know, I've had CEOs in sessions before say, we would prefer that you took half a day and came back with the right answer that was considered than, you know, a knee-jerk reaction um, in, in the moment that distracted you from whatever you were doing. Just having that said out loud, I think, mm. was extremely important for that business. So having a sort of, like, digital agreement of way of working I think can be really useful so this idea of there being responsibility in two directions mm. I think the same is true of of you know 
the world as a as a, as a, a wider thing you know you've got I think there's a huge responsibility for tech companies to be thinking about the way that they design things and the, the way they design their tools and how they fund that and questioning the attention economy and how we're making decisions on tools and how they work. I think there's a responsibility from policymakers to set ground rules and expectations for everyone in that space. And then I'm starting to see more and more people who kind of curate a community making more decisions upon how technology is used in those environments schools mm -hmm. who are making decisions that children are not to bring their own devices to school they're not allowed to use them at certain times of the day um there's a town in ireland where everyone agreed that you know they wouldn't get phones until a certain age because peer pressure is so strong that actually if everyone is in the same situation then it becomes much easier so yep. there's a lot that we can do at different levels and also in this in this idea of like where technology will take us and the fears that we've just shared around where we have it doesn't we have power as consumers you know we have power in how we use tools what we pay for what we sign up for and to think mm. let's take a minute and think you know, am I comfortable? Do I really understand how this works? Um, and maybe question some of the impact of these things as they come. Well, lovely. Um, I think we'll leave it there for now. Um, another good segue, if they want, if people want to find out about how these things work, then do message us, ethical.design. Um because we do run workshops and talks about AI, um, but obviously very interested in AI ethics and how AI can be leveraged ethically and how you do that in a uh, process in your company. Um, so, um, but also if you are interested in Mind Over Tech, um, how do we find out about you, Harriet, and what you are doing at Mind Over Tech and how people can get hold of you? Oh, we'd love to hear from anyone. Um... You can find out about Mind Over Tech at mindovertech.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. My surname is very odd, but I think Mind Over Tech will be the best route to find me. But I think mine your is... name will be in the description of this, this episode. So Perfect. hopefully... Easy, easy does good. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, it would, it would just be really interesting to, to continue talking about this because I think that's that's the most important thing isn't it just to keep questioning talking discussing so would welcome comments on all the different platforms and places that we we could connect with people thank you so much for listening and thanks for having me then thank you and i'll um hopefully speak to you very soon yeah take care thank you Bye. hello and welcome to the end of the podcast thanks again to harriet for coming to talk to us uh, do check out uh, Mind Over Tech. I've actually got a couple of talks and workshops planned for the New Year's. So if you'd like to get in contact with me personally, you can email hello at machine-ethics.net or you can go to the website ethicalby.design. One of the things I really liked about our conversation was this idea of creative duty or the values we have in creativity in general. 
what kind of um, responsibilities, what uh, duties, what ethics lie in, in the area of creativity in of itself is uh, quite interesting and something that I haven't uh, thought of in that way before. So maybe another one for another podcast or maybe a article or something. Thanks again for listening. And if you like to support us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. You can also check out more episodes, machine-ethics.net. And if you can, please recommend us to friends and write a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much, and I'll see you next time.